Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about anxiety and addiction. I'll explain how the brain keeps itself in balance, how alcohol impacts this balance, and how this causes us to feel relaxed when we drink and then anxious when we don't. 
So you'll learn why we get anxiety when we try to stop drinking, how long it generally takes for the brain to balance itself out after we quit, and more about a drug called baclofen, which is prescribed off-label in some countries to treat alcohol addiction. So let's dig in. It's very important that our brain activity is balanced. If the brain is going too fast, then seizures can occur. And if brain activity is too slow, then the person will fall into a coma. So brain activity is balanced by two main neurotransmitters, GABA and glutamate. GABA is our main inhibitory neurotransmitter, so it slows down brain activity. And glutamate is our main excitatory neurotransmitter, so it speeds up brain activity. And these two neurotransmitters work together to keep our brain operating at a healthy speed. Glutamate stimulates neurons so that they can do things like learn new information or make new memories. But too much glutamate can overstimulate neurons to the point where they die. Because of its ability to cause the death of neurons, it's thought that glutamate is involved in degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and ALS. Too much glutamate is linked to symptoms like pain amplification, anxiety, restlessness, and an inability to focus. And too little glutamate is linked to insomnia, difficulty concentrating, fatigue, and mental exhaustion. The brain actually uses glutamate to make GABA, and GABA is involved in sleep, feeling calm, and proper muscle function. Too little GABA is linked to anxiety. Alcohol affects the GABA-glutamate balance in two ways. So it increases the relaxing effects of GABA, and it inhibits the excitatory effects of glutamate. So this is why when we get really drunk, we get sloppy and slur our speech and stumble around. Alcohol gives us instant gratification. It instantly changes our mood, instantly relaxes us, and instantly creates fun from nothing. And this is true based on the ways that it affects the GABA-glutamate balance. If you are someone who struggles with anxiety, then you very quickly learn that alcohol fixes your anxiety, and it's easy to get into a routine of drinking to cope. And this is because alcohol stimulates GABA and inhibits glutamate, so it calms down your brain in two different ways. So GABA slows down the speed of messages that are being sent around the brain or stops them entirely. So that's why alcohol relieves stress. It slows down our thoughts. So if you were really worrying about something, now your brain doesn't really have the ability to worry as much about it anymore. So alcohol literally slows down the brain and that's why you experience it as relieving stress and anxiety. Drinking to cope is a big problem though and it significantly increases your risk of developing a problem with alcohol. Episode 43 is all about drinking to cope, so make sure to go listen to that one if you haven't yet. It's estimated that about 20% of people who struggle with anxiety use alcohol to cope with their symptoms, and in general, a person with anxiety is three times more likely to abuse alcohol at some point in their lives. Drinking to cope with anxiety keeps you stuck because the brain adapts to alcohol to maintain the balance. Whatever effect alcohol is providing, the brain will usually cause the opposite effect to bring itself back into balance. So this means if alcohol relieves your anxiety, then your brain causes more anxiety. So alcohol slows down the brain and makes you not care as much. So your brain tries to speed itself up so that you care a normal amount. So it does this in two main ways. So I've talked a lot about anxiety 
back in episode 22. So go listen to that if you want a full explanation. In this episode, I want to focus more on the balance and on what glutamate does. So basically, since alcohol stimulates GABA and inhibits glutamate, your brain will make less GABA and make more glutamate to get back into balance. So this means that one glass of wine that used to calm you down now doesn't, and now you need two, and then eventually your brain adapts again and you need three and so on. So remember, glutamate increases brain activity, so it speeds up the messages that are being sent around your brain and makes you feel like hyped up. So since your brain is now releasing more glutamate, when the alcohol wears off, your brain is overstimulated and going too fast. So this is why we experience anxiety after we drink. And that might be either at three o'clock in the morning or the next day. So the alcohol has left our system. So it's not slowing down the brain anymore. And because the brain has adapted to alcohol, it now doesn't release as much GABA as it should. And it's releasing extra glutamate. Our brain relies on alcohol to calm itself down and stops being able to do it as well naturally. And that's why you become so prone to anxiety. And this disruption of the balance between GABA and glutamate can even cause anxiety in people who do not struggle with anxiety at all. And that was my experience. I developed anxiety from my drinking. So imagine if you're starting out with anxiety. Alcohol withdrawal usually causes high levels of anxiety. So especially for people that already struggle with anxiety. And this is one of the most common reasons that someone will go back to drinking because their anxiety is too much and they know that drinking will relieve it. And it does. Alcohol restores the balance and makes us feel normal again. So we require a certain amount of alcohol to feel normal and calm. And without it, we get very anxious and hyped up. But with continued sobriety, the brain will adjust back to normal. It'll recognize that there's too much glutamate and work to reverse this adaptation and all the stuff that it learned about alcohol being around all the time. And this takes time. It took time for the brain to adapt to alcohol, so it takes time for it to adapt back. But the best thing that someone with anxiety can do is not drink. Several studies have looked at people with alcohol use disorder and found that glutamate levels are abnormally high during early withdrawal, which is the first three days, and then abnormally low at one week of sobriety. Short-term follow-up from two different studies in 2012 found that glutamate levels in the brain normalize around two to five weeks after someone stops drinking. But this will depend on your genetics, how much your brain has adapted to alcohol, how much you drank, and how many years you drank. So you should probably expect an initial burst in anxiety, and then you'll start to feel better the longer that you stay sober. So if you're struggling to quit because of massive anxiety in the beginning, I recommend talking to your doctor and also just reminding yourself that this is because your brain relies on alcohol to function correctly and this anxiety that you're experiencing is not permanent. If you can get through early withdrawal, you will start to feel better. And then to get comfortable with your sobriety and not go back to drinking, you need to learn ways to cope with your anxiety that are healthy, that don't involve emotional eating 
or drinking or like blowing up at the people around you. So a GABA receptor is made up of a few different parts. And there's one specific part that's called the alpha-2 subunit. And this is genetically associated with alcohol dependence. So it's actually the gene that shows the highest association with alcohol abuse and dependence in the entire human genome so far. So if you have this gene, you are much more at risk for developing a problem with alcohol. And there are variants of another part of the GABA receptor um, called the gamma-1 subunit, and that is associated with alcohol dependence specifically in African Americans. Genetics definitely plays a role. It's not the only thing that plays a role, but it does increase your risk. There was a study done in 2011 that looked at 110 healthy social drinkers and saw that the alpha-2 gene is associated with the subjective effects of alcohol. So meaning it's associated with how good we perceive the reward of alcohol to be. So they found that people with the more common genetic variants had a greater initial subjective response to their blood alcohol concentration rising. And people who had the genetic variant associated with alcohol dependence experienced a lower initial response. So the researchers concluded that they'd probably need to drink more to get the same effect. And drinking more puts you at risk for developing a problem. And it allows your brain to start to depend on alcohol more than if you only need to drink a small amount to get the same perceived benefit. And these are really small changes too, like one mutation in a person's DNA. So to put it in perspective, one gene is made up of thousands of building blocks that are called nucleotides. And the variants that this study was looking at were one single mutation in thousands. So one little change can increase your risk for developing a problem with alcohol. There have been a lot of animal studies that have looked at chronic stress, anxiety, and alcohol dependence. One study found that binge drinking in young rats was linked to anxiety-like behavior and the development of alcohol dependence in adulthood. So if you listen to my episode about teen drinking and how it impacts the developing brain, then you might remember that the younger you start drinking, the more at risk you are of developing a problem. But I think this study is interesting because they found that when the young rats were binge drinking, they exhibited anxiety-like behaviors. So it might even be contributing to anxiety. Maybe they wouldn't have even had any anxiety if they weren't binge drinking as little kid rats. So there was another study that found that stress and withdrawal-induced anxiety resulted in rats voluntarily drinking more alcohol than they normally did. So alcohol abuse and coping with stress and anxiety are linked. And when we try to stop drinking, not only do we have increased anxiety because of the way that alcohol messed up our brain chemistry, but we also have no idea how to handle stress in a healthy way. Baclofen is an FDA-approved drug for treating MS and is prescribed off-label in some European countries and in Australia for the treatment of alcohol use disorder. So what this drug does is it works on GABA receptors in the brain, and the idea is that it may reduce cravings and withdrawal symptoms. So there was a 2019 study that looked at 320 patients with high-risk alcohol consumption 
and they were randomized to either be given baclofen or a placebo for a year. The participants were not required to detox or attend meetings or therapy or anything like that. The study wanted to mimic the real world as much as possible and focus on harm reduction. At the end of the year, 57% of the participants taking baclofen reduced their alcohol consumption compared to 36% in the placebo group. The study says that only daily consumption and number of abstinent days were better with baclofen. So I guess this means that when they did drink, they still drank a ton. But 38% of the patients on baclofen experienced serious adverse effects compared to 23% in the placebo group. So these included things like insomnia, mania, drowsiness, confusion, and cognitive issues. Also, seven people taking baclofen died during the study compared to three people in the placebo group. But none of these deaths were classified as relating to the drug. And we know that alcohol withdrawal can unfortunately be deadly and cause really dangerous side effects. So there was a larger study from 2018 that saw more hospitalizations and death with baclofen than any other alcohol use disorder drug therapy. The approved dose for baclofen in France is below 80 milligrams. So this might be safe, but there's also no established efficacy for this amount of the drug. A controlled trial in 150 patients found no effect on relapse rates with placebo, low-dose, or high-dose baclofen. So it's unclear if this drug actually helps with alcohol use disorder or not. If you're struggling with anxiety and drinking, then just realize that what you're experiencing is real. There isn't anything wrong with you, and this doesn't mean that you're weak. You abused alcohol and drank to cope, which ended up making your problems even worse. And now your brain expects alcohol to be around to calm itself down. And because of that, it doesn't remember that it's supposed to relax itself. Your brain has been increasing the amount of glutamate that it releases to try to counteract all the alcohol that you drank and bring itself back to normal. It's been fighting against alcohol this entire time, and then without warning, you just removed the alcohol. It's like somebody pushing on a door, trying to get in, and then you just open the door, and the person falls through. That's what's going on in your brain, and that's why you feel extra anxious in the beginning. So it's really normal to feel anxious in early sobriety, but your brain will adjust back to normal. If you continue to drink to cope, though, your brain will continue to adapt and you will require more and more alcohol to get the same relaxing effect. And this only makes it harder to stop drinking the next time you try. If you're struggling to stop drinking, then I really recommend working with a therapist who specializes in alcohol abuse and attending meetings. It doesn't have to be AA. There's a lot of options. And it's okay to need more support than Facebook groups and books. If alcohol was easy to quit, then this podcast wouldn't exist. This is the third episode in a series of episodes about how alcohol affects our neurotransmitters. So if you haven't listened to episode 62 and episode 63, make sure to check that out for the full picture. And I will talk to you next week.
Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.